Podcast, Answer Man, episode number 296. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show and everything else you do in life to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you've been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet released that first show. There's something we can all do to take what we're doing in life to the next level. That's right, my friends, and today I am exhausted, (laughs) absolutely exhausted, and I have a special episode for you, and why am I exhausted? Well, I spent uh, a great deal of time driving home from Nashville, Tennessee last night, uh, just returning from the platform conference that Michael Hyatt put on, and wow, is what I have to say, best conference I've ever attended in my life, hands down. And I'm even going to say that it was, for me, it was better than the conference that I even was part of co-organizing for the podcasting community. It was better than, it was pure wow. Wow. is I mean, I'm, I'm almost speechless. In fact, uh, Michael, I haven't told him this yet, but, um, you know, this, this for me, really took a lot of things to a whole new level. Obviously, I've shared in previous episodes just how stressed out I was about, you know, speaking in front of Michael Hyatt, you know, the guy who has an entire conference on teaching people the skills and techniques to do professional speaking. And I I've heard his podcast episodes about, you know, you know the philosophy on slides and how they should be used and what shouldn't be done in a in a talk and all of these other things and how to how to make your presentation about your story and not the slides and and I was really getting nervous and stuff but I'll tell you as I got closer and closer and closer to my time to speak I became very confident in the fact that I had completely changed my approach to public speaking I had completely changed my slides to where they're just images that really add value to what I'm actually saying on the stage. I found that completely different way of organizing my notes on a separate uh, iPad mini that uh, I used the speeches application for the iPad to to swipe through as I was going along. That worked extremely well. Um, I did have a little bit of, you know, getting up there learning on the spot. I probably should have done a few practice runs uh, of the entire talk prior to getting up there, but uh, overall it went well. Now, here's the thing. I knew that when I got up on the stage, I was going to be a nervous wreck, especially knowing the fact that this is the first time I've ever done a talk this way. Knowing, I mean, I, I could, if I would have done exactly what I had done before and just allowed my slides to be the same old, in my mind, really, honestly, The same old crummy slides that I've used in the past. I've done this talk three or four times before. If I would have used those, I would have felt comfortable, confident, and sure, I would have been nervous for maybe a minute or two, but this this wasn't the case. I, I completely stepped out of my comfort zone in a couple different areas. Number one... I'm speaking at a more professional level. I'm speaking in front of a a group that is more highly targeted for my target audience and who would be more in line with people who might potentially do business with me way beyond a crowd that I've ever talked to before in a public setting like this. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? This is crazy. And I knew that if I got up there and I just tried to go with it and just start from the beginning... I knew that I was going to be nervous and just completely scared stiff for a minimum of 10 to 15 minutes. And I only had, only had 45 minutes to talk. And for me, that's tough. You know, I've tried to limit Podcast Answer Man 
to be a, a 30 minute show weekly. It, 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 it just isn't going to happen. I can't do it. Well, I know I can, but I don't want to. There's so much I want to share and I, and, and I, I, I don't want to bottle up any of the passion. I don't want to leave out any parts of the story. And, um, and I knew I had to, and, but I knew that I had to do something to get my nerves all taken care of so that I could actually get focused on sharing the message that was on my heart to share with the folks that were there at the platform conference. So how am I going to, how am I going to get rid of my nerves so that I'm actually not going to be nervous for the first 10 to 15 minutes? And I decided to do something that I had never done before. And that is sing solo in front of an entire audience of people. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> Anybody who's ever heard me sing before, you know this is a really bad idea. I mean, this is the, this is the craziest thing that I could do. And uh, I'm going to share with you uh, in just a moment here. I am going to share with you what I did. Okay, so I have everything set up here. And uh, this is what I did. I actually, before I got up and talked that morning, I went and found about 20 different people within the audience that would be there today. And I, I of course, went to some of my closer friends that, that I had already known and uh, prior to the conference. I went to people that I had already met at the conference and kind of developed a little bit of a, a, a beginning of a friendship there. And I asked those folks to help me out. And then... Because I looked at, you know, behind, uh, you know, I was looking from the back of the room where all of those people that I had asked, I saw where they were sitting and I'm like, oh, wait, no, I need some more people on this side of the audience. I need a couple people from that table. And so I actually went and found like complete strangers that I had never met before, never talked before, and I asked them to help me. And so this is what I did. I went up to them and I said, listen, I'm supposed to speak here at 1145 and usually when I get up, I'm going to be a nervous wreck. And I've decided I'm going to do something today that I've never done before. And I'm scared to death, but it's going to get all the fear out of me. And it's going to put it all behind me. And I'm going to be able to focus. But I want to know if you'll help me. (laughs) And I got them to buy in and I got them to say yes before I told them what I was going to do. And so what I did is I said, listen, I'm going to get up on the stage. They're going to introduce me. And the first thing that's going to happen, I'm going to put a I'm going to put a slide up and it's going to have a picture of Malcolm Gladwell. Now, if you guys haven't seen a picture of Malcolm Gladwell before, he's got some funny looking hair. Uh, and so I, it's a black and white picture. I'm going to say, who in here can tell me who this person is? I know some of you know. And I said, some f- folks in the audience, I, I know for a fact they're going to say, that's Malcolm Gladwell. And then I'm going to say, who here thought this was Art Garfunkel? And then a, a, a picture of Art Garfunkel is going to slide in right next to Malcolm Gladwell and it's going to get a little, you know, it's going to get a laugh. And a couple people are going to say, yeah, I did. And actually, I was right. I predicted it just right. And some people that actually did think it was Art Garfunkel. And then I was, I said, I'm going to talk about the 10,000 hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell talked about in the book Outliers, The Story of Success. And I said, I'm going to talk about what some people out there are saying uh, the 10,000 hour rule is a misconception about it. And then I'm going to actually explain what the 10,000 hour rule really is. And then I'm going to tell the audience that I'm going to read a quote from the book. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk over to my notes and I'm actually going to start singing. And I'm going to sing the first two lines of this song And then on the third line, I want you to stand up and join me in singing. And on the fourth line, Art Garfunkel is going to take over the screen again. And the lyrics to the rest of that that chorus or that that, uh, part of the song is going to play. And so, oh my gosh, I got up there. I could not believe I was doing this. This was so far out of my comfort zone, but I felt so good about doing it. It was the right thing, even though the song had nothing to do with my talk. But it was so much a part of who I am and what I'm doing and about taking myself to the next level. And it went over extremely well. And my friends, I walked up. I, so I did all the slides and stuff like that. And I said, I'm going to do something Michael's told people never to do. And that's actually read from a book while you're giving a talk. But I'm going to do it. And I went up there and I said, and I, and I walked up to the notes and I went, 
And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more. Then all of a sudden, 20 people in the room immediately stood up and they sang with me, people talking without speaking. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the room, well, almost everybody in the room, stood up as well, like on cue. And then we all sang together. People hearing without listening. People writing songs. Their voices never share. All right. And so there you go. And my friends, let me tell you that again, that had nothing to do with my talk, but it had everything to do with being who I am and just owning my nervousness and actually doing something that is so far out of my comfort zone that says, you know what? I can't let my fear get in the way. I'm going to involve this community and let them know I'm scared stiff, but will you help me? And so, because I've got an important message that I that that I cannot compromise. I need to get this out of the way. Everybody and like had a great time singing. They 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 thought it was funny and and all this stuff. Everybody started participating on cue, and then I got to my talk. Now. One of the things that, uh, if you're familiar with Michael Hyatt's book, Platform, How to Get Noticed in a Noisy World, he talks about starting with wow, all right? Starting with wow. And, well, let me just tell you, I had no idea who he was going to bring as a special guest speaker. This person was not listed on the agenda. Cliff Ravenscraft here, and oh my gosh, I'm here in the green room of the Platform Conference. You are not going to believe who I'm sitting right next to. You know, Michael Hyatt talks about bringing the wow. I had no idea that he he, he expected to wow everybody. Guys, you can tell, I'm speechless. I'm hardly ever, you guys know me. I like to talk. I'm never speechless. I am speechless. I am looking right now into the eyes of the former president of the United States of America, George W. Bush. Wow. It's good to be with you, Cliff. It's, a, it's an honor to be with all the folks here at the Platform Conference. And what a blast. I mean, we have had a, a great time learning about building your platform, getting your message out to the people. As you know, I'm rebuilding my platform. Yeah, you had quite a platform there for a while, and, and uh, I guess something happened, and that platform kind of fell out from underneath you. Well, it's called uh, Term Limits. Term Limits. Uh, so tell me, Mr. President, uh, so far, what do you think of, of the conference? Oh, it's been fantastic. Uh, all of the content has been world-class, and, it, and it's teaching uh, you know, regular guys like me who don't know a thing about blogging or webcasting or, or, or you know, stuff like that, uh, how to do it. Now, I've, I've had people do it for me, you know, for years, but now I'm, I'm kind of getting hands-on about it. That is excellent. Well, hey, everybody, you know me, authenticity, transparency here. Actually, the voice that you just are listening to right now is none other than John Morgan. He is a world-renowned, very popular George W. Bush impersonator. Hey, everybody. And uh, I want to tell you guys, that John, you look just like George W. Bush. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, yeah, you do. Sometimes I'm sitting here talking with you, and of course, we've actually been, we're not in the green room. Uh, the, the conference is now over, uh, and uh, I'm hanging out at one of uh, John's friends' place. And we're recording in his office, and I and I and and sometimes I'm looking at you, and we're having just this casual conversation, 
And, and I told you this earlier, I, sometimes I still feel like I'm, I'm looking at, and I'm actually having a conversation with the former president. I get that uh, comment from folks a lot. Like if I'm sitting on a plane, people will interrupt me mid-sentence and say, excuse me, I just have to tell you what's going on in my head while we talk. I keep having to argue with my brain that's telling me I'm looking at the president and I know I'm not because you've already introduced yourself. And it's just one of those weird things that I'd love to know psychologically why that works. You know, I think, I think it has something to do with that. We all want to uh, feel significant and there's something about being around people that have great significance or power or whatever, you know, a president having a casual conversation with you would be a pretty cool thing. And uh, even though I'm not, the fact that I look look like him seems to have that effect on folks. And, hey, uh, it's fun for a practical joke. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get into that. Uh, Folks, let me explain to you, this is not a normal episode of Podcast Answer Man. If this is your first episode, uh, it's never like this. Uh, This is the first time I've ever actually just broken down and done something. Uh, In fact, we're not going to talk about podcasting a lot at all unless John brings brings it up. Uh, But we are going to talk about the platform conference uh, we're going to talk about how uh, we're going to talk about John's platform, the platform that he did have, and and how that's gone, and what he's doing with with uh, rebuilding a new platform or actually reinventing his platform. Uh, so so while this may not be technical podcasting advice, uh, if that's all you're interested in, then check us out next week because I'll be back to answering your questions and stuff like that. We'll get in there, but today we're going to talk about somebody who had a personal brand almost thrust upon him. And, uh, and, and just the benefits and the awesome stories that come as a result of that. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But first, John, just, just you and I talking, really, in, in our own words, what do we think about the, the platform conference? Um, I have enjoyed uh, popularity uh, as a result of looking just like George W. Bush when he was president. My phone was ringing off the hook. I did a lot of uh, appearances. It was just an absolute blast. And when he was no longer president, I mean, that was like falling off a cliff. My phone just died. And, you know, I'm an optimist. So I just thought, oh, that won't happen. You know, or, well, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But when the bridge came, I had no idea how to cross it. And it, it was a very scary experience. And, uh, there, you know, there was a, a really cool story out of that, that uh, where I became inspired not to give up. I mean, I wanted to go back to my old job that I had before all this started, selling appliances, but but inside I just knew I couldn't. And so I, I stuck with it, although uh, I went through a, uh, my own dark night of the soul, as you've got uh, on one of your other podcasts, uh, where you walk through your dark night of the soul. This was uh, difficult for me, and so I had to, from the beginning of time almost, rebuild a platform uh, and say to the world, hey, there's value in hiring this George Bush impersonator, even though right now you don't think there is. So slowly but surely, I learned uh, a bit about marketing. And uh, it, it, that has worked to a degree, but I, but I have this sense in my heart that I'm, you know, it, it, as you think of an attenuary type thing that goes from 1 to 10 in terms of uh, capacity, I feel that my capacity to uh, impact people and change lives and entertain is a 10. And I'm really, even though I've done a lot, I'm still on one. I I feel that there's so much more. And I know that one of the the keys to it is literally building the platform that we learned about at the conference. Absolutely. And and for me, I want to just say that um, I've attended a lot of conferences. I've now been blessed with the opportunity to speak at a lot of conferences and share my story. And and uh, the platform conference so far has been, the, the first platform conference here has been the best conference experience I think I've ever had. And this is the first time where I, I've actually spoken at a conference where the ticket price is this high for everybody to get in. Uh, and not only that, and which basically meant that these people are serious about what they're doing. They're invested uh, and they're they're looking for answers. And what was amazing is that this is also one of few conferences where the people aren't all familiar with podcasting. In fact, most of the people there didn't have any clue about a podcast. I mean, sure, they they maybe tested out you know knew Michael Hyatt did a podcast on his website, but a lot of those people really hadn't even thought or considered what podcasting might be as a platform. So for me, that was awesome. 
but the speakers there were out of this world. What I mean, what was what was some of the takeaways from some of the talks that you had um, after going there this weekend well, or this week? The number one takeaway for me was when Michael himself shared on uh, resistance, and uh, you know, he talked about how. We have this goal, we have this idea of something we'd like to do, and then there's the voice that says, yeah, but you know, you've been wanting to clean underneath your refrigerator for a couple of months. Why don't you just go ahead and knock that out and get it out of the way? And then, so you get distracted and you do that. There's just something that, when you have a worthwhile goal that is hard, you'll find every little thing in the world to do rather than launch, rather than actually do that thing. And, And I'm like... Oh my gosh, he's reading my mail. That is so me. I mean, it's, it's it's exactly true. And he described that as this little guy called resistance that feeds these thoughts to you to keep you from pursuing the most important thing in your life. And he actually said that, and, and this was all based on, um, do you remember the author? It came out of a, a particular author. Stephen Pressfield? Yes. Stephen Pressfield book, the war of art. Yes. And um, he said that you can actually use uh, those internal arguments as a compass to tell you that you're going in the right direction. Because whatever, you know, whatever you're thinking about doing in order to, to keep from doing the most important thing, whatever it's keeping you from doing, that's an indication that that's the very thing you should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, I experienced the resistance a lot. You know, I, I put out a goal that I wanted to do a lot more public speaking. I, I felt like, in my heart, in my spirit, I felt like this is the next right thing. This is the thing that I should be doing um, to get the to get my message out, to to actually get out there in front of people that aren't going to find my podcast. I need to get out and speak more. And then all of a sudden, I, I put that out there as goals. And the next thing I know, my my speaking schedule's full out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, it's like. I don't know if I really want to go speak. I'm kind of nervous. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I, and, and then all of a sudden, the, the first big, you know, outside of my comfort zone as far as the community that I normally speak to, the first conference I speak at is Michael Hyatt's conference. And, and Michael Hyatt's the, the guy who actually does conf- a conference on telling you how to speak properly. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, I have no formal training in this stuff. And, and, it, it really caused me to question, do I have what it takes? I, I can't speak out of Michael Hyatt. I, I mean, who was, what was he thinking to, to invite me to speak at this conference? Because I'm going to get up there and I'm not going to be as, I'm not going to be as, as fluid in my, in my presentation as, as what he probably teaches in his score conference. And I did, I, I faced that, that thing. I started questioning the way that my slides are presented. I changed everything and, and I was just a nervous rep going into it, but I kept moving forward. And that was one of his key things. You have to just press through the resistance. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a funny feeling that there's some folks listening to our conversation right now going, oh my gosh, they're reading my mail. And so, you know, I just want to encourage your listeners to take action. Don't, you know, don't just listen to this and go, well, that was interesting. I'll walk away. Um, you know, actually take action on the very things that you're resisting and you will forever be glad you did. Yeah, absolutely. There were a couple other stories that I want to pull out. Um, uh, let's see here. It was Pat Flynn shared a, a story in his presentation. He was the last person to speak. And he shared a story of a man who emailed him some pictures. And what happened was, and he showed the the some he had uh, on the slides picture. He had the pictures on the screen, showing us th- some guy with his X-rays, and he has all these nails and screws and pins and everything, braces everywhere. And the guy said, "What did he? He had broken what? Both his ankles. He had broken both of his ankles, and he felt like a, ma- a miserable failure to his wife, his family, to the his employer, and everyone." And he had sunk into the depths of depression. And so Pat's reading through this email, so like wondering what this is all about. And and basically he says, I, I'm absolutely at the at the deepest part of depression. I can't move forward. I can't get out of this. And then all of a sudden he finds, you know, Pat's Pat Flynn's podcast, the Smart Passive Income Show, and he starts listening to it and he gets inspired. 
And and then Pat's you know continue, consistently putting out this content, and he's listening, he's listening, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I am going to set goals because Pat did an entire episode on smart goals and and how you can actually set goals and achieve them. And he says, you know what? I have a goal. I'm going to run a marathon. Anyway, I'm going to run a marathon, and he's like, you know, I'm going to do this. And so what he did is he started training. This is a guy again with two broke, you know, two broken ankles and his his all of his ankles and everything are put back together with this metal. And um and basically the the end of the story is that he ends up make it was a half marathon or what? I think so. So he actually ran his first half marathon and at the end of the finish line he holds up this sign that was prepared and it was written in another language some other words. And then it says, thank you, maybe, did it say, I, I can't, th- he thanked three people, and it might have been, thank you, God, thank you, something. And then, but anyway, the last line, and, and you have to actually look really close at the sign, but it says, and thank you, Pat Flynn. And then, so this is a guy in another country who has been impacted, and this is the first time Pat's heard from this guy, and Pat never knew. He said, so the whole story was, put your content out there, put your message out there, you never know who's listening, and how it's going to impact their lives. That's, that is so true. Uh, how many listeners do you have? Well, it, it depends on what show. Like, Podcast Answer Man has several thousand subscribers. Uh, I have some other shows that have had as many as thirty to 60,000 subscribers. Uh, and it just depends on, on out there. Overall, I'd say on a monthly basis, we're reaching somewhere between sixty to 80,000 people around the world. That's, that's amazing. I, I have... Um, you know, every once in a while I get this little report that says how many new likes or whatever. And I'm, I get really excited if there's two. <laughs> so having come to the conference, I feel like I am just graduating kindergarten. And I'm, you know, I've said it several times today. I feel like a kid at Christmas and, you know, and not a, not a poor man's Christmas, but a very extravagant Christmas. And I just can't wait to start diving into the packages of podcasting, blogging, and all of these social media tools that will allow me to build a platform to get my message out to folks and to reach more and more folks. And, you know, I can't wait to find out if what I have to share is of value to folks and if people will come back. It's just all such a big mystery and yet so exciting. You know, so maybe, maybe six months or a year from now, you know, you might want to re-podcast me and we could revisit and see, you know, see how things are going. Absolutely. I, th- I think we will. We'll do a where are they, where are they now interview. <laughs> so, so the conference was amazing. We could go, I could go on and on about it, but uh, I really wanted to have John share his story. And, I, and I, if you don't mind, I, I want to just pick your brain. I, I know a little bits and pieces from the conversations you and I have had. And I was in the same room with you while you've had some conversations with some other people. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really want to find out. So uh, here's the deal. When did you first realize that you look like George W. Bush? When did, when did he come on the scene? And when did this, you know, I mean, how early on did you know that, that there was this connection? Well, it was uh, June 12th. 1999, the day of George H.W. Bush's 75th birthday, Okay. when George W. Bush announced his candidacy for president. And I guess it was maybe six months later or so, he was coming to Orlando to do a rally, and some friends of mine were, were working to set up chairs, and they invited my wife, Kathy, and myself, who incidentally... When she puts on the wig, she looks like Laura Bush. It's un- uncanny. Um, to 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 go help them set up chairs. So we we were simply down there at the I think it was a big airport hangar, um, and uh, one of their full time staffers just kind of said, "Hey, just stand right in front of me." Said, hey, you know, you look a lot like W. And that W, you know, I mean, I you know the phrase W, and then there was. A, you know, I looked in, uh, on the wall, they were hanging up some billboards, and some of them, he had already acquired the nickname D-U-B-Y-A, you know, W, you know, ah, for, okay. for his middle initial W, you know. And uh, so that was the first time I heard it. And then um, as his face became more and more uh, nationally known, uh, people would comment, you know, at, at a drive-in teller window or just walking down the street, and it just gained frequency. 
But it wasn't until three years into the president's first term that a friend of mine at my mom's 80th birthday party informed me that there was this industry of lookalikes. You know, everybody knows about Elvis Presley lookalikes. They, they've been around for eons. But there was this emerging industry of, of lookalikes. And now you've probably seen them, you know, a, a Cher impersonator or a Lucille Ball impersonator or, or a presidential impersonator. And, uh, you know, at the time, honestly, Cliff, I thought, well, that's interesting. But what does that have to do with me? The fact that I look like George W. Bush, I, w- I don't want anything to do with that. Because in my mind, I thought, those people need a life. They obviously don't have one, so they're trying to use someone else's. You know? Yeah. And I'm in, in my mind, I, you know, I judged that whole industry immediately and thought, they're all weird. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say that. You know, kind of pat on the back, here, here, you know. No way. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I have friends, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I just didn't want to go down that road. And, and so I just dismissed it. Um, and about three months later, but my wife was there and she didn't, she didn't dismiss she it. She didn't dismiss it. No, she didn't say anything to she me. She saw an opportunity. Yes, she did. And she is, we're both opportunists, but, but I'm kind of addicted to acceptance, you know, oh. and I, I didn't, I feared that the ridicule and what might come of it as a negative, you know, and there's a lesson there too. If, if you have an idea, there's always uh, somebody around to just, just dismiss the idea to say, Oh, forget it. You know, I mean, how many inventions never get invented because people go, Oh no. Oh no. You know, somebody else just dismiss it just quick. You know, we are creative individuals. Mm -hmm. We, We are made in the image of God and we're made with, creative powers and and so it's very important that we nurture those abilities and 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 you just never know what's going to come of something until you try so i just dismissed it but three months later kathy saw a george bush impersonator on national television and this thought came to her do a web search you know now it would be googling you know but um so she did she looked it up and she found two guys out there uh, booking as George Bush impersonators. And she looked at one, she got, gosh, John looks more like George Bush than that guy does. And the other guy used a prosthetic mask. So she thought, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Especially when she saw what their speaker fee was. You know? Yeah. So she, she came in the room, and this is in chapter one of my book. She, she grabbed me by the scruff of my pajamas, woke me up out of a dead sleep and said, I just found your new career. You are going to become a George Bush impersonator. I'm like, huh, what? You know, and she drug me over to the computer and showed me those two websites. And I still thought, yeah, but no way. But then I had this thought, and this is the thought that took me over. What if it's God? And I thought, hmm, well, I didn't think it could possibly be, but just what if? And as somebody who cares about what God thinks, I thought, well, I couldn't just dismiss that out of pocket. And so I, I thought, well, I'll talk to some of my friends and just, you know, just run it past a couple of people that are mentors of mine. And to the person, everyone said, oh, John, you're made for that. Oh, that'd be perfect for you. Oh, that sounds like a hoot. You should try it. And I'm like, really? I thought they would laugh at me and just ridicule me for even thinking of it. And I was shocked to find positive feedback. So after praying about it, I, I thought, I'm supposed to do this. So, I mean... Fearfully and with trepidation, I said yes. And then once I once I crossed over and said, I'm going to do it, then it's like, how do you learn any new skill? The internet. <laughs> I went online and I started digging around to other impersonator sites and started kind of learning what to do and started, you know, getting ideas of how I could go about this. And gosh, you know, within uh, two months time, I was performing at a convention of lookalikes for the first time and that's a funny story too um because uh, i had I, I was so frantic with my notes you know studying 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 until right before i got on the stage that when i got onto the stage my notes were all messed up you know because i was on like page three and so i, I pull out my notes everybody's still clapping I, I look at my notes and it's it doesn't make any sense you know so i go wait and i pull my and everybody started laughing they thought, oh, that's so perfect. That's so George Bush, you know. 
it was honest. I, my notes were all messed up, but everybody thought it was part of the act. And I, and I just felt great acceptance right, right from then on. And it's just been no looking back. That is awesome. Now, I, I wanna, I'm, we're going to come back to this. And as a matter of fact, we're going to come back to, I want to talk about, because one thing I haven't asked you, and I knew I was going to interview you, so I haven't asked you about the training, because I want to get into that in just a minute. But so, so that, this has been amazing. So what I want to know now, for just a moment, is, okay, your wife, Kathy, she says, I found your new career. And I know you just briefly, in the, you know, earlier, you mentioned something about what you were doing before. So tell me, what were you doing at this time? What was your, before you crossed over... What are you doing for a living? Well, <clears throat> can I go back a little further? Anywhere you want to. Okay. <clears throat> I, I love music. I mean, the only Christmas present that I really remember, I received when I was three years old. A record player. And that little turntable with the little needle became my favorite thing. I mean, Mom says, I used to drive her crazy because... I would sleep with records, 45 records. I would sleep with them. And, um, you know, I've always just loved music. So um, in the 80s, I recorded two albums. I wanted to become a musician and make a living as a traveling musician, a kind of a Christian music artist kind of a guy. And, uh, but I have absolutely zero management skills. And, and I could care less about managing. I just want to do my music and... You know, if if the refrigerator's empty and I don't balance my checkbook, so, <laughs> you know, artsy kind of, a, you know, whatever. So um, I, I was basically starving my young family, you know. Um, we, 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 and I was also inherently lazy and selfish as well. So I would get on the phone until I would book a concert. And then I would get so excited that I booked the concert, I would take the rest of the day off and, you know, and I would spend the money before it even came in, and it, I, it just was bad. I had no business savvy. So I realized this isn't working. Um, before I got married, I'd been working in my mom and dad's appliance store. In fact, I'd basically been raised in that appliance store. I, that My first home was in the back of that appliance store in, uh, in uh, downtown Orlando, Florida, back in uh, 1956. And it was just a little wooden shack. You know, they sold refrigerators in the front, and we lived in the back. And... Uh, that store in that same location on Church Street in Orlando is still in operation today. And uh, so I basically was raised there, um, worked there until I decided to do this music thing for a couple of years. And when, and when that failed, I had nowhere else to go, so I went back to the appliance business. But there was this yearning in my heart. I really loved the stage, and I loved reaching out to people, and I loved ministry. So I, I hoped that one day that opportunity would come back. Hmm. So for 20 years now, I'm working in the appliance business and I had learned to just trust God and, you know, just wait on him. I mean, it was a long wait, but I, I figured, you know, for years I would beg him, Lord, I'm afraid I'll miss your will. Please don't let me miss your will, you know? And, and then one day I, this whisper came into my ear, not audibly, but in my heart, I heard you the first time. And, and so I just learned to trust him. If, we got to hey, wait until 75th birthday for George H. Yes, exactly correct. And so that finally came along, and, and now here we are. And I'm like, and, and you, you heard my attitude about uh, the George Bush. When, when, when that thought hit me, what if it's God? I'm like, really? <laughs> really? You, you had me leave that 20 years ago for uh, a bad Elvis? <laughs> You know, so I wasn't excited about it. But that's another thing, too. Often we get wrong impressions about very great gifts. Yeah. And um, I almost didn't do it because of a misinterpretation. And I've, I've been on, on national television in China, Japan, Holland. I've performed multiple times in Germany, Mexico, Canada, all around the world, Jamaica, the Bahamas. And all, you know, most of the 50 states, huge stages, small stages. I've done Skype performances on college campuses. I mean, it's just been a crazy, awesome ride. And to think, I almost dismissed it because I misunderstood it. Wow. Well, I want to say that, uh, you know, I, you walked in. I, I, I knew ahead of time that you were, you were our special guest for the evening. 
and you walked in as as the president and I know f- from talking with people afterwards that there was a good number of people in the audience that didn't even know until you said I'm not really George W. Bush uh, which is amazing uh, and you had that guitar, guitar up there and you actually sang a song and that was amazing and and I, I I love that just as much as the as the performance at the at the opening. Uh, I love the music and I love it, it, and it's and it's like now knowing that backstory, how much you had the desire for the stage and to share your music and to share your ministry, and now all of that, that gift is there. That is amazing. That's awesome. So um, here's the deal. We're gonna go back to okay. So you decided I'm I'm gonna do this. All right, and you said, okay, so two months later, I'm now performing, and I made a mistake, and now this is the funny bit, and that, that adds something to it. Now, tell me, the voice, I mean, you do a good, I mean, you don't just look like him, but now, if you want to, you can sound just like him. I mean, like, uncanny like him. Well, how did you get to that? <clears throat> That's another one of those paradigms that, I, you know, when when you're given a gift, everything you need about that gift comes with it. And I didn't know that. I didn't know I could do this. Um, and another thing, I had no clue that I had comedic timing. Y- you know, I had no clue that I had a natural gift to entertain, you know, at, the, at these levels. I mean, most people, I would say 90-something percent of people get nervous, if not downright throwing up, at the thought of getting on stage in front of people. I stepped in front of 35,000 people and national television in Holland, introduced as George W. Bush, the President of the United States, and I could not get to that microphone fast enough. No nervousness. Wow. Isn't that the nuttiest thing in the world? That is. And, and, and so, you know, it's the accompanying gift, and it was just inherent. Um, the ability to uh, come up with George W. Bush uh, mannerisms. You know, I love impersonation, but, I, but I've never been an impersonator, not somebody who ever desired to do that. But it just so happened that I have impersonated Captain Kirk, I have impersonated Andy Griffith, I've impersonated, you know, Bill Murray and different people for skits at church or whatever. And usually if they have some role like that, they, they, they call on me because... I can usually pull it off. Well, I had no idea the extent of that ability until this came along, and you know, I decided to try it uh, because you're right. I can, uh, I can pretty much, uh, you know, knock out Debbie's voice if I want to. It depends on the, uh, the 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 need at the arising occasion in America. You know, it, it, it's great, and you're right. There, that that voice right there. When when you're really doing it, um, it, it, I mean, there there's times when he's out there and he's he's actually being, you know, more robust in his personality that he sounds like that. But I, I will tell you, there's been times where you, I've been actually conversing with John Morgan here, and in this conversation, there's a couple times where where you slowly slip into what I <laughs> I will tell you. It, 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 you're not forcing it, but I will tell you that because I've watched a lot of interviews post 9/11 uh, and post his presidency with George W. Bush, and when he's just talking at the same kind of tone and and the laid back and and stuff like that, where he's not he's not he's not you still sometimes sound like him, and it's that's that's uncanny. So so did did you? Um, I guess maybe look up some, you know, how do I, mannerisms, how do you contort your face and do you spend a lot of time behind the mirror? Uh, I did. I, uh, I, I took a really good picture of him and stuck it up on my mirror and then stood in front of the mirror with that picture side by side with my face. And I learned just from practice that there are incredible ways to control the way your face looks. Really? I mean, there's a lot of different muscles going on. Guys, if you this this is where video would be really cool. That is <laughs> seriously, that is crazy. Did did you you did, did you know? I how did to not. Do, no, no. You taught yourself that. Yes. Yes. 
guys, you can wiggle one ear and then the other independently. <laughs> and seriously, you taught yourself. I just learned that the face is very elastic and you can isolate the different muscles within your face and change it around. And you saw, did you, and you taught yourself that through the internet? No, no, I learned that just looking in the mirror and practicing. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I, that blows my mind. So, wow. Okay. So tell me, um, okay, so third, third year into the presidency, now it's two months later, you've just done your first uh, impersonation, it went amazing. Tell me some of the bigger places you've been. So, I mean, you t- I mean the, the whole thing in Holland, but tell me some of the, the big events that you did. The, the, tell me the mountaintop experiences that you've had. What are some of those? Well, we'll start at the top. Um, I got invited by the GOP, and uh, actually I, I called them until they invited me. <laughs> by the way, there's, there's a lot to be said for um, ask and you shall be given, you know, yeah. and you shall find. Um, invited to perform for the president's second inauguration. You thought it was him dancing with Laura up on that stage? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what happened was the Florida GOP created a Oval Office replica in the, the, hel- the uh, hotel in Washington, D.C. that the Florida GOP was uh, headquartered at for the inauguration. And Florida, you know, Jeb... His brother, it was a big deal. And uh, so they created this Oval Office replica for me to go in there and do a photo op for folks coming through. And they didn't pretend it was really George W. They said, you know, this is our friend John Morgan lookalike. But the line for pictures went all the way through the very, very large lobby of that hotel. And kind of, you know, people waited in line three hours to get that picture. Um, but what being there, for George W. Bush's inauguration was surreal. And, and and you can go on my website and see a picture of me and my wife, Kathy, as George and Laura. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. And what, we, we had so What's the much website fun. address? Well, it's johncmorgan.com. Okay. And, or you can go to georgebushimpersonator.com. They both go to the same place. Um, th- starting with... The limo ride from the airport into downtown because the limo driver had that same kind of nervous feeling that you're talking about where, you know, he, he's like, I am so driving George Bush right now, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he was like laughing exactly like you are almost wrecking the darn limousine. And, you know, and there's, you know, there's a quarter of a million people downtown all over the place for the inauguration the next day, you know? So, I mean, he had so much fun. Every time we'd pull up to a stoplight, he would roll down my window, you know, just about halfway, and and I would wave at the folks, you know, (laughs) out on the sidewalk, you know, in the limo, you know? And then as soon as people would look, he'd roll the window back up. You know, it's a tinted glass, nobody could see it. And so, and then we'd watch. You know, one person would say, that was George Bush. That's George Bush in that limo right there. And everybody's like, shut up, you know. That's great. It was just so much fun. He he was laughing so hard he couldn't even catch his breath. And and then um, we were downtown and, you know, just walking up to people, tapping them on the shoulder. When they turn around, just go, hey. (laughs) And just watch them go. (laughs) It was just nuts. It was just so off the chain. And we had a blast, and then there, we're there for the inauguration, and it was just absolutely outstanding. And then the, the day after the inauguration, uh, we were doing, forgive my, my voice, I've, done, I've been doing Bushgrams for the last three days, yeah. so you can imagine. Um, uh, we ran into Barbara Walter at the airport, and she had just interviewed, I mean like hours before, George W. Bush maybe an hour before, and then come right to the airport because I think, if I recall right, she was heading to one of Donald Trump's marriages. And uh, uh, there she was, and uh, the the guys that would be in my Secret Service at the airport were actual uh, security guards for Dulles Executive Airport. And so they, they knew who was coming through the door. Each, you know, I was hired to thank people for coming to my party, you know, that kind of thing as they would come through the airport. And uh, so here's Barbara Walter, and I, I kind of 
made a move toward her, you know. And I said, Barbara. And I waved, you know. I said, Barbara, Barbara. And she just stopped dead in her tracks. And she looked around. It's like, you know, doing a reporter, like, trying to scope out the situation. And she goes, Mr. President. She goes, didn't you like the interview? She thought I'd come chase her down at the airport for some reason. You know? <laughs> so funny. And then she talked about that, you know, on The View the next day, how she had run across this impersonator and that he was the image of George W. Bush. So that, that became a fun episode because the next time I was in New York, I thought, gosh, I wonder if I can get on The View. You know, so uh, I actually just walked in, you know, um, walked past all the people that had their tickets. Because I've learned one thing. When you look like George W., it changes everybody's perception of reality. People don't know what to do. So I just walked in. You know, yeah, tell us. So, so basically, because I heard the story, and I want to, I want to see if you can, I want to see if we can recreate it the way that I heard it the first time. Because <laughs> you didn't just walk in. Talk about the fact you walked past the crowd, but then you went up to the door, and what happens? Right, right, right. Well, there's this big long line of people with their tickets, audience members waiting to get in, so they can go take their seat in the audience. And a friend of mine is named. In fact, today's his birthday, Joe Manuela. If if he happens to hear this podcast, happy birthday, my good friend. He is a um, Robert De Niro impersonator. Oh, wow. And a darn good one. Lives in New York. And uh, <clears throat> today's his birthday. Funny thing. Anyway, uh, he was my Secret Service agent. And so the two of us were just kind of tooling past this whole crowd, you know, and then listening to the buzz behind us as we as we were walking along, you know. And that we get to the door and there's a security guard standing there and I just kind of Gave him a little nod. I looked at, looked at him and nodded at him. Opened the door and walked right in. He didn't say a word. <laughs> so there, were, so there's this desk and, and, and the girl sitting at the desk and she's looking down and behind her head, there's that ABC logo, you know, and the view up over it. And, and uh, I just said, hey, I need to get on the show. And she looked up and just was beside herself. She's for all the world looking at George Bush, you know. And she goes, well, it doesn't quite work that way. And I said, does for me. Or so I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said, get your producer down there. He, you know, call him, you know. There was a camera. I said, can you see me on that uh, camera there? And so the producer came down, and they were laughing, and I was laughing. And next thing you know, I got on the show. That is amazing. That is, oh, wow. So, okay. So, basically, life is good, right? Oh, yes, sir. Yes. Life is good. They, they, I mean, you are experiencing things that you never dreamed possible. Your stage is bigger than ever before. But then all of a sudden, there's this thing called a term limit. And and yeah, what happens? Well, <clears throat> George W. Um, did a great job, I think. You know, uh, I think one of the reasons that his... And not I know you should not call it political. Yeah. But but I think if he had spent more time worrying about PR, uh, his approval numbers would have been much higher. But he he just didn't care about that stuff. He's too busy working. You know when when you when you you study his answers to questions like, did any of that bother you? He's like, I was too busy to let stuff like that bother me. You know, and never defended himself when he was attacked by different people, blamed for everything under the sun. Um, just really a classy guy. But when you know, when his eight years were up, um, he went back to Texas. My phone just stopped ringing, and um, I, I hadn't really prepared for that. I, I kept, you know, some friends had said, "John, be ready," you know, because this is going to come to an end. And I thought, in my heart, I thought, "Well, I'm just not going to worry about it." You know, naive, you know, kind of like monkey see, you know, I hand over the eyes. Um, but then it happened, and I mean, I went into near depression, if not light depression. I would sit on the couch for days after day after day, uh, not knowing what to do, uh, watching our bank account just dwindle, and thinking, something's got to change, this can't stay like this. And uh, I thought about going back to the appliance store, but something in my heart told me that that wasn't my path. And so... Um, that went on for quite some time. Then somewhere around uh, about a month later, maybe two months, I got a call 
from a bookstore chain that carried my book, carries my book, uh, Mardell. And, and real quickly, for those of you that, that don't know this, Mardell Christian Store was a sponsor of the Family from the Heart podcast for four and a half years. So oh, very cool. They're a very awesome company. They paid our mortgage for four and a half years, which is really nice. Oh, man, that's so nice. Well, they, they paid us sponsorship, and then we took that money and paid that mortgage. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, maybe when I start up my podcast, I might give them a call. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling we probably could pull that off. I've got some connections. Oh, that's very cool. Well, they they called me up to do, um, and please forgive my scratchy voice as I you're, you're fine, man. Okay. Don't worry about it. All right, authenticity, right? It's all transparent authenticity here. Good, good, good. Uh, they called me to uh, to speak to their managers as an author. They sometimes have these managers meetings, and they'll call their different authors in to to speak. And I thought, wow, work. <laughs> you know, I was just happy for the money, you know, but I felt so ill-equipped to speak to this group of bookstore managers. I mean, I wasn't even managing my own finance as well. And here I am going in to speak to these guys. Who, who do I think I am? But I didn't tell them that, you know. I said, sure, you know, I'll come. They wanted me to do a couple of bookstore signings while I was there. So I went to Tulsa, where they're located, and um, did the bookstore signings. And while I was there, one of the bookstore managers, a very nice guy, said, we want to give you a gift coming and doing this in-store signing, um, pick something out from the store. Well, I looked over to my left, and I saw a book called Facing Your Giants by Max Lucado. And I thought, I'd like to get a copy of that book if you don't mind. Well, here's why my eyes were drawn to that book. The night before, as I'd been preparing for my remarks to the managers, I randomly, to my knowledge, came across... uh, a little um, clip from the movie Facing the Giants, which, and in the clip, it's a it's a football movie. It's a really great movie. It is a good movie. And uh, it's a clip where this coach is trying to convince this young man that he has leadership potential and that he needs to watch his attitude because other people are watching. Other people are going to imitate his behavior. And so... Uh, he, he has him do this death crawl thing. And, you know, I'll just, in, in, rather than describe it, I'll encourage your listeners to, to Google Facing the Giants death crawl scene. And you'll, it'll pop right up. So that scene played, and I had no idea it had any relevance to my life. I thought, well, that's interesting, whatever. But then when I saw the book, that flashed in my head, and I bought the book. And the book was all about how when you, when David uh came to the situation with the David, the whole David and Goliath story. Um, he came there to check on his brothers. And his, his brothers were cowering in their boots at this giant. And in fact, the whole Israelite army was in utter fear and nobody knew what to do because of this giant. He was, he was telling them, you send out your best guy, I'm our best guy. And, uh, but David, he had his eye, eye on somebody far bigger than Goliath, God. And so he, he, who is this Philistine to defy, you know, God's army? And as y'all all know the story, David slew Goliath, end of story. You know, he went on to become king. And so I'm reading this book thinking, I'm not the first person to be in this scenario where I'm facing something that's bigger than me. And it was very encouraging. So it started to a little bit pull me out of that, you know, kind of funk that I'd been in. Then... While I was in Tulsa, somebody invited me to church because uh, I didn't know where I was going to go to church. Wound up at a place called Victory Bible Center right across the street from ORU, or Roberts University. And the pastor there is Billy Joe Doherty, who's now in heaven. But at the time, that day he preached a sermon called, if I get, the, get it right, it was Never Give Up. And I'm like, well, if that's not relevant, I can't imagine what is. So this whole sermon is about uh, Peter, when he, you know, when he was shipwrecked and this whole story. And then right in the middle of the sermon, he says, uh, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Watch this. And right on the screen comes that exact same clip the from the crawl. movie Facing the Giants. Wow. And I'm like, what are the odds? And I realized, okay, somebody's trying to help me out here. And, and honestly, that's what pulled me out. 
I realize I don't have permission to be in this state of inactivity. I've got to push forward. So I really just pulled out some of my old cards and called some of the folks that had hired me before and just started moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other, started learning how to market and, and developed a, uh, <clears throat> a message to go with the comedy. You know, so it wasn't just this comedian, but it's this motivational speaker, this inspirational speaker that happens to also have this comedy routine that, that you know, is, and, it, and it, had a, it started taking on a whole new value and a whole new life. And it, last month was, well, actually this month, I'm currently in the midst of, I think, the best month in the history of my George Bush impersonation through all those 10 years. So even you're doing better now than when he was in office. Yes, and I, and again, I still feel like I'm... Just at the beginning of it. Yes, sir, because once we get this blog and the podcast, everything else going, I feel like it's going to wow. really take on a whole new potential. And and I believe it. I tell you, I, I, I do. I, I told you this earlier, and I'll tell my audience, that I felt immediately drawn to you and, and connecting with you and, and helping you any way that I can. So uh, I, I see, I do, I, I sense that something big's on the horizon and I'm at that same place in my life where I'm doing better now than I've ever dreamed possible and I really even believe that I'm I that things are going to be so much better moving forward and I can't even dream right now how how big it's going to get and I don't even know what that means and I'm not even looking it's not that it's not about that it's not about that but I just have this overwhelming sense that there's something bigger in my future that I that I'm I'm not seeing yet, but it's big and... It'll be revealed in its time. Yeah. But the key is moving forward. Yes. The key is putting one foot in front of the other, taking that step that you fear. Yeah. John, you're amazing. Your story's amazing. I hope that everyone in my audience, uh, in my community, will one day get to see you live somewhere. Uh, And check out uh, johncmorgan.com. Also, your book, what's the name of the book? My Life as a Bush and My Heart for Imitating Jesus. My Life as a Bush and My Heart for Imitating Jesus. I I jokingly call it a biographical, motivational, comedic devotional. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. There is no doubt in my mind that we are going to be having a conversation again on this podcast in the future talking about how you've entered into the next phase of building your platform through blogging, video, podcasting, and stuff like that. John, thank you so much for coming and sharing with your sharing with me and this community your story. Well, I, I, I'm excited to have made your acquaintance and now have made your listeners' acquaintance. And uh, what, what, a, what an honor you've given me by allowing me to be your guest and how, how much fun we're going to have. Well, my friends, that is going to wrap it up for this 296th episode of Podcast Answer Man. Wow. JohnCMorgan.com. That's where you want to go, my friends. I encourage you to go today and just check out his website, see some of the things that he's got going on there. If you have an event, this is the man you want to come to bring in if you want to wow people, if you want to shock and awe people, if you will. Anyway... So delighted to get to know John, and um, I hope that you enjoyed hearing his story. And I hope that it inspires those of you who are out there. You've been, maybe you have been feeling, um, some people have said, you should do this, you should do that. You And you've even thought to yourself, I maybe I could do that, but why, I, I don't know. And you've been putting off that po- podcast for way too long. Well, my friends, I would love to have you in the March 4th, a to Z course. So actually, it's the A to Z course for the entire month of March that starts on Monday, March 4th. If you use promo code PAM, you get $100 off. And uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I am I am delighted to say that I do believe that uh, John will have a podcast before you know it. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the things that he's going to come up with. I know it's going to be great. Anyway, Platform Conference was awesome, and I believe there's going to be another one in uh, November, I believe, November, platformconference.tv, 
And I do believe I'll be speaking there. And uh, so go check it out. Yeah, Monday, it actually starts on Sunday, November 3rd, and then it goes through the 5th. So November 3rd through 5th in Dallas, Texas. So uh, hopefully, I I don't know, but you could try using promo code CLIFF, C-L-I-F-F, when you sign up, see if that gets you a discount off. Anyway, if it doesn't, uh, let me know and email me and I'll see if I can't work something out for you. Also, want to uh, just say thank you to those of you who are using my Bluehost affiliate link. This time, I think it's emilyhat.com, emilyhat.com. And if I go to that website, I see that this is emilyhatfield.com, mobile-friendly, re- responsive design. She's uh, just added a brand new uh, theme to her website there. So check it out, emilyhat.com. Thank you for using my Bluehost affiliate link. As you guys know, I get a great commission from them when you sign up. If you want to learn about my thoughts on website hosting and also hosting of your MP3 audio files, just head over to uh, podcastanswerman.com slash hosting. Anyway, my friends, I'm I'm tired. I think I'm going to go to bed. (laughs) It's been a long night driving home from Nashville. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I will see you guys again next week where uh, I should have for you some very interesting updates on uh, the podcasting patent stuff. So tune in then next week, episode 297. God bless. And until then, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Oh